may be seated. Well, I'm really glad to be with y'all this morning on the first day of 2017. Um, This year marks the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, which some of you will find interesting and some of you will just shrug your shoulders. Uh, That's okay. As we get closer to October, I'm sure there'll be a little more discussion about that. Um, But it's a great time, a great year to celebrate the God of grace. The God who meets us not in our own works, but meets us in His mercy and meets us in His grace. That's really what the Protestant Reformation was all about. And uh, getting back to the Word of God, what the Word of God tells us and teaches us. And that's really what we're about today. We're about to spend the bulk of our time looking at God's Word. That's weird. Nobody does that. (laughs) We don't get together with our friends and family and just look at some old book. But we do. Not because it's religious, but because it's God's Word. He has actually spoken and is speaking to us. That's why we sit here and listen to a sermon, which is really an explanation of God's Word. Um, So it's a joy for me to be here as a son of this church. And um, my dad's not here today because he's sick. So if you would say a prayer for him uh, today. And uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask him to, to bless our time in his Word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do ask you to meet with us now, especially as we open your word and as we seek to understand you and seek to understand ourselves, seek to understand what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are going to do. Lord, give us attentive hearts. Help us to to pay attention. Uh, Even me, Lord, help me to pay attention. Uh, This is your word. And it's in Christ and through him that we pray. Amen. We're going to be looking at Psalm number 1. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm number 1. And I believe it will also be printed up on the screen. Let's stand as we read God's Word. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's Word. Let's give it our attention. You may be seated. On this New Year's Day, Do you feel blessed? (laughs) I know some of you probably do. You spent time with family and friends like I did last night. And I feel good. I feel blessed to have this life and this joy that God has brought into my life. I feel blessed. Some of you don't feel blessed. Some of you feel that God has maybe forgotten about you. 
because of the things going on in your life, the things that aren't working out the way that you wanted them to work out, the way that you hoped they would work out. So you don't feel blessed this morning. Well, this psalm starts with that word, blessed. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. What does blessed even mean? Well, I took to Twitter because there's actually a hashtag. And before I go any further, I want to define hashtag. Okay, You guys remember the pound, the pound symbol right on the phone. And in social media, and especially on Twitter, the, the pound sign or the hashtag, which looks like this, is a simple way for people to search for related topics. So if someone hashtag Christmas morning, then you could click on that, and everyone who tagged Christmas morning, you're going to see all of their results, which we should all be interested in, right? (laughs) Because we all want to see everyone else's Christmas morning to see if it was any better than ours. Hashtag blessed is a hashtag that has become very popular on Twitter and on other social media. People say hashtag blessed. So we're going to look at a few of these from Twitter. So take a look up at the screen, and you can't read that at all. But here's what it says. So surprised, I seriously have no words for this spectacular gift from my kids. Thank you, family. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag 1956 Thunderbird. Cool. (laughs) Red. Here's the second one. This is, you can't really see it, but it's a picture of a, of a young couple in front of a Christmas tree. And it says, our present will be opened on July 8th. Hashtag blessed. The next one. It says, and this is a picture of a, of a wrecked car. And it says, I just want to thank God one more time for watching over me and my boys during this accident. Hashtag blessed. The next one. A picture of a football player. And it says, Truly hashtag blessed to, be, to receive and accept the opportunity to play in the 2017 Under Armour All-American game. Hashtag I will. The next one. I can't believe I finished the semester with a 4.0. Hashtag blessed. Now before you go on from this one, these classes are... Well, I'm not going to read them to you, but the A's came pretty easily, let's just say. (laughs) Hashtag blessed. This one says, nine to five meetings before the flight. In the meantime, I'm watching these hashtag stocks. My mornings, evenings, and nights be about money. Hashtag blessed. Blowing a kiss. And then here's my favorite. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) That's from the the Bible. It is commonly believed that if you have a nice house, a beautiful family, safety, money in the bank, a good job, a reliable car, a happy disposition then God must be pleased with your life. So the hashtag makes sense, even for unbelievers, that they might be blessed by God. The formula is simple. If God is pleased with your life, good things will happen for you. That is the hashtag blessed formula. Okay, If God is pleased with your life, 
with how you're doing, then you will be blessed. Good things will happen for you. This is not true. It is sometimes called a prosperity gospel. And it's summed up in the lyrics of a 1997 country song that we all love. With all that I've done wrong, I must have done something right to deserve a hug every morning and butterfly kisses at night. No one remembers that song. It won a Grammy. All right. (laughs) That's funny. That's how meaningless a Grammy is. With all that I've done wrong, I must have done something right to deserve a hug every morning and butterfly kisses at night. Do you hear that? That is the hashtag blessed mantra that I must have done something right. God must be pleased with my life because look at these good things that have happened for me. These good things that have happened to me. So here's the question. Is prosperity a sign of God's blessing? Is prosperity a sign of God's blessing? Well, yes and no. (laughs) Yes and no. The Bible begins and ends with God blessing his people. Think about creation, what we just read. God blessed Adam and Eve. He created them to be fruitful and to multiply. He blessed them with good, with prosperity. But they rejected God's rule. And they fell not under a blessing, but under a curse. They lost material prosperity. But more than that, they lost their relationship with God. They lost the presence of God. And so the rest of the Bible is a story about how God in His mercy made a way for people to be reconciled to Him, to come back under His blessing that He created us to enjoy. And in the Old Testament, this blessing was initiated with the blessing of Abram. And here's part of that blessing from Genesis 12. It says, In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And and throughout the covenants that God made with His people, He promised blessings if they would obey and curses if they disobeyed. And throughout the, the history of redemption, throughout the story of the Old Testament and God's people, believers enjoyed some measure of prosperity. But they ultimately learned, and as you guys read through the Bible over the next two years, and many of you have already done that, they learned through famine, through slavery, and through exile that God's blessing cannot be maintained or earned by our good deeds. It didn't work. God made a covenant and said, Obey and you will be blessed. And the people tried, just like we do, but they failed. But the blessing of God has never really been about receiving good things. It is really about receiving the greatest good. And the greatest good is God Himself. And so God sent His only begotten Son. For all who receive Him 
by faith, we receive God, the greatest good. When we receive Jesus, we receive God. And so this psalm breaks down and outlines the truly blessed life, the truly hashtag blessed life. Number one, blessed is the man who walks in God's word. Verse one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, if I invited someone up here um, and tried to get you to eat poison, would you do it? No. Um, but I could get you to eat poison. I'm pretty sure I could get you to eat poison. And you say, no, there's no way I could, that you would get me to eat poison. Even with the antidote sitting right there, there's no way I would eat poison. But it would be pretty easy. All I would have to do is lie deceive you, tell you that it's really good for you, this thing, whatever it is, this piece of chocolate. Eat the chocolate. It's just chocolate. It says Hershey's on it. And you eat poison. At the root of every temptation to sin is a lie that tells you that this is the way to receive blessing. At the root of every temptation is is a lie that says this is the way to blessing. I think that's why the psalmist begins by describing how we often find ourselves listening to the wrong voices. Look at it again in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the advice of the wicked. Because the most effective lies are hooks baited with blessing. Enjoy this illicit thought and you'll be happy. Buy that new thing and you will be satisfied. Tell a little white lie and you can escape this difficult situation. Eh, It's technically breaking the law, but your kids deserve to have a happy Christmas. The grand deception of wickedness is that it doesn't look wicked. And that happiness can be had apart from God. We think that we can get freedom, meaning in life, validation, cleansing, forgiveness, a sense of identity and worth. We think that we can get these things from something other than God. That is the counsel of the wicked. And it's not, it's slippery. We buy into it literally every day. This is why the happiness that Christmas brought seven days ago is already starting to fade. We need a happiness that does not fade. The psalmist says, stop listening to those liars, to those peddlers of poison. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. Blessing comes, brothers and sisters, as we delight in the law of the Lord. Because it's not a lie. Because it's the truth. And if it's hard for you to imagine delighting in the law of the Lord, you're probably doing it wrong. 
If it's hard to imagine delighting in the law of the Lord, well, that sounds fun. Let me just grab my Bible and delight in the law of the Lord. What's it talking about? Well, there's a pastor who who wrote these words to kind of describe what is the Bible. And he says this, The Bible is not fundamentally about rules for us to learn to follow. It's fundamentally about Jesus. The Bible's purpose is not so much to show you how to live a good life. The Bible's purpose is to consistently and constantly show you how God's grace breaks into your life against your will, and saves you from the sin and brokenness otherwise you would never be able to overcome. If you believe in Him, if you trust His Word, then we are going to get caught up in in meditating on Scripture day and night because it reveals not what we're supposed to do primarily, but His character, His ways, and the story of redemption that we've been talking about, that we are part of. We delight in the law of God because it reveals how much He delights in us. It's a book of delight. Meditation is just pondering, actively pondering, spending time pondering the words of God in the Bible. Delighting in a deeper and more intimate understanding of our greatest good. It should be our practice day and night. And that's why your elders and pastors have encouraged you to to read through the Scripture with, with the church. Meditation is what people do when they're in love. He loves you. But you know, as we do that, as we walk in God's Word, guided by His Spirit, we will sense more and more and more our inability to please Him. The more we know Him, the more we know ourselves, the more we know we can't please God in ourselves. All of our dedication, our faithfulness, our hard work, our obedience, and even our meditation in the Scripture itself can never bring us blessing apart from God's grace at work in us. So the psalmist continues in verse 3. And he says, Blessed is the man who stands in God's grace. Blessed is the man who stands in God's grace. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Well, what does this image of a tree tell us about how God works in our lives? There's a tree here. He is like a tree. Well, the righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water. And notice that the tree does not plant itself. It is not a volunteer who just happened to end up in a nice place. But this tree is planted God lovingly and carefully planted us. He gave us faith to trust Him. And God's free and unmerited grace is the stream that nourishes and sustains us no matter our circumstances. God 
placed you there as a tree. He planted. This is a tree that's planted. That's the first thing we need to realize, that that is God's grace. God's grace is His work on your behalf. He planted you. You didn't plant yourself. And we stand in the soil of God's Word and prayer. We worship with God's people week in and week out in fellowship around the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. God has provided the ground for for us to grow in grace. We call those the means of grace. And we don't exist as a tree for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. We are blessed by God so that we might bear and produce fruit. Just like Adam and Eve, we were created to bear the fruit of righteousness. And as we stand planted in God's grace by faith, our lives will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our lives planted in God's grace will produce fruit. The fruit doesn't come from us. We're just the vessel. It only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Go back with me to verse 1. It says, blessed is the man. This word man is a singular noun. And at face value, it's just referring to one person, a representative person, a righteous man. But we know, having the full light of revelation, that there was only one man who ever lived a righteous life before the scrutiny of a holy God. Only one man, the man. Blessed is the man. And it was our Lord Jesus And when God the Father examined His earthly life, He found no sign of sin or rebellion. Though He was tempted in every way, lied to, even by the devil himself, yet without sin. Not only without sin, but full of love and life and joy and peace and patience and kindness. This Jesus, you want to get to know Him. Because he was full of righteousness. Jesus' life was the only truly hashtag blessed life that there has ever been. His life. The life of God the Son. And yet somehow, brothers and sisters, by God's grace, we who believe in him were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That means that any, wor- any good work that you do is first the good work of Jesus Christ. His life is the water and the nutrients that pulse through the veins of the believer and produce fruit. It's Him in you that, that does good, that, that is blessed. Jesus said it best in John 15, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do... Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
God causes our lives to prosper. He planted you. And it is a prosperity that doesn't just end when you die, but it echoes into eternity. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is a prosperity that we seek. The psalmist writes, his leaf does not wither. God will bring the good work he began in you to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The good that God calls us to do will continue into eternity. The Apostle Paul explains this life in Romans chapter 5 where he says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him, we have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So there's hope, but the psalmist doesn't leave us there. He warns us. In the next verse, he says, The wicked are not so. The wicked are not so. The wicked are not lovingly planted. They are standing in their own strength. Sinners despise God's offer of grace. They call it weakness. The unbelieving do not produce the fruit of righteousness. As long as they get happiness, they don't really care if it pleases God. How often do we fall into that? As long as I'm happy, as long as I'm blessed, I must be pleasing God. It's the old lie. The psalmist says they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Blessed is the man who walks in God's word, who stands in God's grace, And third, who sits in God's presence. Look with me at verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What would happen if you suddenly entered into the presence of God? At the burning bush, Moses hid his face. In his vision of God's throne room, the prophet Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And at Jesus' transfiguration, Peter, James, and John fell on their faces. And we're terrified in the presence of God. Now, the, these were all children of God. These were all saved by grace in the presence of God. What will become of unbelievers? The psalmist says the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The wicked will not stand. Sinners will not make it into the congregation of the righteous. Brothers and sisters, we, this psalm begs us to take a moment and be honest with ourselves. Do you walk in the counsel of the wicked? 
Do you stand in the way of sinners? Do you sit in the seat of scoffers? Is your delight in the law of the Lord? Are you bearing the fruit of righteousness? And don't let the presence of material blessings in this life lure you into thinking that you're okay. Things are going good for me. I must be okay with God. You may look good on the outside, but God looks on the heart. What will God see in the judgment, friends? What will He see in the judgment? What secret sins, what lust, what anger, what lies, what addiction, what dishonor will He see in the judgment? There will come a day when every life will be judged. We are all accountable to a holy and wise and good God. Jesus told us a parable about how surprising that judgment will be. I want to read that to us. It's in Luke chapter 16. He said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. It's surprising, isn't it? That the rich man whose outwardly life was so blessed ends up in hell 
And the man whose life was a living hell ends up comforted in the presence of God. Man, that goes against everything we believe as a culture. Everything. And it did back then too. (laughs) Nothing's really changed. So how do we avoid the fate of the wicked? The answer is not try harder. If you learned anything from this passage, the answer is not try harder. There is not enough good you can do to outweigh the gravity of just one sin. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. In fact, the righteous will not stand in the judgment either. On our own. On our own merit. But there is good news here, friends. There is gospel right here in verse 6. Look with me at verse 6. It says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. If you have responded in faith to God's offer, free offer of grace, then you can be assured that God knows you. God is all-knowing. That's not what we're talking about. It's not just knowing facts about you. But this, this word, this word know, conveys the idea of a personal and an affectionate knowledge. In the parable, Jesus shows that it is the one who knows God who is blessed. Rather, it is the one who is known by God who is blessed. It's shocking to think that someone who has so much wealth could really not be blessed. But in eternity, Lazarus, the poor man, is comforted in the presence of God and the rich man is in torment. What Jesus said is true. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who have humbled themselves who have placed their trust in Jesus may not feel very blessed. You may not be writing hashtag blessed on Twitter or in your Christmas card. But knowing and being known by God is the greatest good. It is the greatest blessing to be known by God. 18th century pastor Jonathan Edwards preached about this blessing I'm going to end by reading this quote. He preached this. He said, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature, and the enjoyment of Him is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children or the company of earthly friends, are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. Since we are reconciled, With God, through faith in Jesus Christ, He invites us into this hashtag blessed life of being known by Him. 
So let us commit this year to walk daily in his word, to stand in his sufficient grace, and to sit and to enjoy his comforting presence. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it cuts our hearts, the way that it opens up our insides and reveals all kinds of hidden things. And we thank you for the way that it provides a balm of healing, the way that you have promised good news for those whose hope is in you. Lord, give us faith. Help us when we have unbelief to know that you are our great good and to enjoy you from this day forth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, let's respond by standing and singing this good old hymn. May the